Welcome to the Cover Zero Podcast. It is the week 16 preview. Week 16, sweet 16. It's crazy that we are this deep into the season. I am your host tonight, Jordan, joined by my guy, Corday. How are you doing, bro? Doing amazing, man. Doing amazing. Always repping. Always repping. Not always home, but always repping. Everybody listening on the audio, you are seeing this man flash his Eagles logo with the hoodie that he is wearing right now, the green with the white logo, yes, sir. <clears throat> as you can reference when you watch their helmets. The local Philly fan right here, just before we get into our topics that we have tonight, how are you feeling as just a quick check-in, take your temperature, as a, a Philly fan, honestly, whose opinion I respect in contrary to the majority of your fan base, where are you at? On your disappointed squad. and frustrated. I'm disappointed and frustrated, especially I'm more. And then I get angry because all my homies who know I'm an Eagles fan constantly just text me and troll me because they know we've been on a three game losing streak right now. So, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, Super Bowl aspirations, are those still there? No. They're gone. Yeah. Okay. That'll be something we dig a little bit deeper to. Uh, throughout the course of the rest of what we have remaining in this uh, this schedule. And we'll for sure talk about the Eagles and the playoffs roll around because they will be there. Yeah. So will you and so will we here on the Cover Zero podcast. Tonight, we are going to be getting into a preview of the game of the week. It's going to take place on Christmas night. It's the last game that we're going to be blessed with this weekend. It's the Ravens traveling to San Francisco. That is our game of the week. That is the game of the week. Before that, we're going to get into a discussion about a couple of different topics that are more of like big picture viewings of the state of the season and what we have seen so far. We are going to talk about what teams have surprised us, what things have let us down throughout the course of this season. But before we do all that, the first thing we're going to talk about is the MVP award and not necessarily who your MVP is. There's still some remaining games left, so that is going to change. But what we're going to talk about in regards to this is what the MVP award has become, how it's a quarterback award, why it's a quarterback award, should it be a quarterback award? And most importantly, I want to start it off this way, and I'm going to ask you the question, Corday. To you, what is your definition of the MVP? To me, honestly, the definition of the MVP is who's, been, who's playing the best this year, who's played the best this year, and then who's played the best the majority of the season. But sometimes it comes to who's been playing the best the entire season. Because we've seen it where a QB has played well back when it was only 16 games, has played well or amazing for 13 games or 14 games, but got hurt. And then another QB who was playing as close to almost as good, but the fact they had those last few games, they got the MVP over a few different players. Uh, the Derek Carr year when he got hurt, Matt Ryan got it because he played the whole 16 games. The Carson Wentz year when he got hurt. Mm -hmm. I forget who won it that year. Was it was it Tom Brady? I don't even know who won it that year. But yeah, those two come to mind specifically. So so for you, it's it's the definition is who is playing the best football. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Because I think for, for yeah. myself, I would say the answer to that question goes down to it's tough because on one point, it's the description of the award. Most valuable player. And mm -hmm. value is something that is really hard to measure when you talk about the most team-oriented sport in the league. And how I always look at it is, is, to me, if you were to strip this guy away or if you were to look at this team 
and how much value and significance this one player, how much production, how much importance this one player brings to his squad. That's really how I, I measure the MVP. And I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of significant. It's kind of changes a little bit, according to everyone. Me and you probably aren't too far away yeah, on no. each of our definitions, but it's very tough to parse out. And I think this year, one thing I'm noticing is this has been, for me, I don't know if you agree with this. Let me just ask you, is this the toughest year for deciding an MVP in your in your eyes? Uh, honestly, I think it's not, but I think it is for other people because they want to make it just about quarterbacks. I think, honestly, um, the top quarterbacks who we normally are in the discussion for haven't been playing MVP level amazing or up to the standard that we have usually hold them when it comes to an MVP. But since we have to give it to a quarterback, we're making it say that, yes, they're still mm-hmm. playing amazing. That's why I feel like other people are elevated. So why do you think, now, now whether it's right or whether it's wrong, yeah. we'll get to that, but why do you think, the quarterback award has become an MVP award. And before, before, I, before you give your answer, for everybody listening, the last 10 MVPs have all been quarterbacks, mm-hmm. okay? 15 of the last 16 MVPs have all been quarterbacks. Why do you think that is? I think, honestly, because there's the, uh, the uptick in the passing game where the 90s was more of a run-dominant team. And then even into, like, the 2000s, it was still heavily run. Uh, as of late within these last 10 years, we've devalued the running back. So we've made it the running back position non-existent or we don't need a bell cow running back or those old school Adrian Peterson guys because he was the last person to win MVP or like uh, Emmitt was the last person to win an MVP that was a non-quarterback in 2012. Yes. Uh, Emmitt Smith. uh, uh, We got to go to the 90s. Sean Alexander in 05. Yeah. So like Tomlinson in like oh. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. No, no David Thomason, it was 06 because he won it the 06. year after and broke his record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. like, those aren't the backs that we lean on, are the people we don't lean on anymore. So, because with the evolution of the passing game, with um, how much a quarterback can lift your offense up and lift your team up because they're, they can add so much more to it. Um, there's much, much more on their plate when they're carving up a defense and can make other players around them better. They start putting it all in the quarterback where well, it has to go to a quarterback because they do all this stuff and they can elevate it so much. But then with that, you started getting the MVP to the same few players. So I'm like, if these players are really elevating the game all the time and they're just, because honestly, I feel like sometimes Peyton Manning and Tom Brady could just have a usual good year, but not be quote, quote unquote outstanding year they'd be like okay well that's the person but that, that's the point of it though because that's the yeah. part that i wanted to really get to about the award yeah. and like kind of what this this exercise and conversation yeah. is outstanding versus valuable yeah i think these are two different things because exactly. we would have seen a year where not where a defensive player is going to win the award it, it's so hard to parse out again where yeah. like jj watt yeah one defensive mvp yeah, but you could even argue that this dude was so much better than everybody that, that that's his peers or what he yeah. could do that he was that valuable. Right. Or maybe exactly. Aaron Donald in some of his days, or like mm-hmm. it's just it, it, sacks as a as an yeah. interior defensive tackle that yeah. that should have had way more consideration. It's so it's so interesting just to see yeah. how, how that goes into it. Yeah. So so yeah, I I definitely hear you there on how like it's it's kind of shifted this way. Yeah. For this season. I think we are the closest we have been to having yeah. at least the conversation 
mm-hmm. not just in terms of someone having a hot take on a on a shouty show, yeah. uh, but for this season where a shouty show, that's what you, we know what those are. I don't even got to name them, bro. I don't even got to name them. Yeah. You know what I mean? We are in this spot where it is, they, we are in a universe closer than we have been in, in the modern era of football where Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. have their stake on it. And right now, as we look at the awards, the, the betting favorites right now in terms of who's going to win the MVP, and it's shifted every single week at a crazy level. Dak was number one just seven days ago. He's dropped to number four, on according to VegasInsider.com. Brock Purdy is currently sitting number one right now. Lamar yeah. is number two. These two might, these two happen to just play this weekend. Based on what each one of them do, that's going to go ahead and shift it right now. When you are looking at the scope of the league this year, what do you think is going to be the most important factor in terms of the voters' eyes when it comes to deciding an MVP? Well, first off is going to be, are they a quarterback? That's going to be the most important to start it off. Like, is it going to be a quarterback? Because we got to give it to a quarterback. I don't care about this running back on this team, and I don't care about this uh, receiver who's, who might put up 2,000 yards, even though he missed last week. Um, that's going to be number two, all right? Um, then it's going to be, well, the normal people who we normally give it to who comes to mind first off, which is the Josh Allens, the Patrick Mahomes, the um, – Joe Burrow, Lamar, but I was thinking of 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 like Jalen Hurts of the world and stuff like that. I mean, the only other person who's like on the top, you know, five that's won the MVP before, apart from Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes is even in the top five right now. The only person in the top five, as we sit here today, obviously, like I said, it changes week to week. The only person who's won the MVP is Lamar. Lamar. That's been there. So we got we got to put him there. So I'm saying, like, like mindset-wise, kind of like college football, going into the season, who's number one, like, betting odds of who's going to get it? Oh, yeah, yeah. His, uh, his, yeah, he was yeah. lower than Mahomes. He was lower yeah. than Burrow. He was probably lower than Allen. He was lower than Hurts. Uh, yeah. So but he's kind of like, probably, like, fifth. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Washington. I want to say Washington. Washington. Maybe LSU. Notre Dame, because Washington was a Notre Dame. I'm saying like, or or Clemson, or Clemson. Let's say all all three of them have three losses. So we can't put them top 10. We can't put them top four. All of them have three losses. So they're down in the eight, nine, 10 kind of a thing. And now we have these Washingtons, let's say, uh, 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 Florida State, uh, Mm -hmm. this. Uh, like those type of schools, like all Oregon, all in the top four. And we're just like, well, we have to put these in because, yeah. So that's why I feel like this what this year is, right? But then this they're still going to figure yeah. out a way to kind of, mm-hmm. well, we can't have a college playoffs without Alabama in there. Well, let's just put them in. You know, they had a hard schedule. So that's why I feel like they're doing with the quarterback. They're shoveling them in there, even if they don't belong. And that's how Brock Purdy is elevated to number one because most valuable player, if we look at that team, is he the most valuable player on that team? No. We can look at Trent Williams when they had one of that three-game slide without Trent Williams and Debo. They struggled. We can look at it and see, like, it with CMC before they got him, this offense took the, the F off because I always said they needed a number one uh, running back. One of uh, CJ Cuevas disagreed with me at the time, and then all of a sudden they got him and look at CMC. But he's even he, – McCaffrey is different because of his receiving ability. I don't like, care. He's, he's, I, don't, I don't care. No, I don't because that's what I'm saying. Like he is, yeah. he is the number one running back. 
Yeah. But then he's that plus a slot receiver, a wider like he's he changes the you know he he just he is. I he's got his you. Own thing. I got you. But people still think because he's a running back, should we play running backs even like him? Even though he does all that kind of stuff, because he'd be like, well, what about the wear and tear? He can do all this kind of stuff. But he had health injuries coming in before that. To me, that is the most valuable person of his team, or Trent Williams. The sure. most valuable because it's still like the most dominant left tackle. We'll uh, never have an offensive lineman win MVP. We just won't. yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, obviously. So if we can't have him, who should it go to? The running back. But then we're like, no, we have to give it to the quarterback because it's a passing league now. It is. Even though he's surrounded by weapons and stuff, so he's been catapulted up. And I'm just like, I, we've seen this offense with a Jimmy G. Even though I feel like Brock Purdy is way better than Jimmy oh, G. That, that, I, we are, we are, we are beyond. Yeah. You and me, at least. You yeah. and me. Other people may not be there yet. People here on the Cover Zero podcast yeah. got a mic in front of their face. No, we way beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That type of thing. I feel like it's still like a hit. Like, like it's kind of a, yeah, but I've seen this with another quarterback before. But then also, like, we're elevating them, like, we're elevating them up to a level of MVP. But, like, is he really playing that well? If we think of Mahomes last year, doing it with no Tyreek, and he just had Travis Kelsey and making the receivers last year look amazing. Versus this year, they're leading the league in drops. Or Lamar, when he had playing with third and fourth string wide receivers out there, having them and cooking them and had a big, big trust. Um, <laughs> uh, Ingram in the backfield and stuff like that. Is he doing those type of things, or is it the people around him who's helping it? You got the Debo, you got the Travis Kelsey, you got IU Kuzman Baller, and CMC, who I feel like is the actual MVP sure. most valuable player uh on the team you know uh, I feel like I feel like right now we're, we're in a spot where I felt this way about the MVP for a while yeah. is that the MVP can be its award and we know kind of the criteria that it's it's based on kind of what we've been talking about because of how the league is oriented how much passing is put on quarterbacks how many running quarterbacks are like so prevalent to having in the team for them to be able to create when something's not there within the structure of the play and all those sort of things. I think we need to have a most outstanding player award in addition to the MVP, because then we can kind of parse out, okay, this is what the MVP is. This guy is valuable. Mm -hmm. However, this guy is, he, he, he stands alone in terms of his contribution. That's where I'd be at. An offensive player, whatever, we know that that award is the offensive player of the year award is like a second play hey, Mr. Runner up guy or Hey, yeah. Mr. Non QB guy. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's going to be tough to make a new award that does carry some sort of weight that we yeah. do give the same type of reverence that we do give the MVP. So yeah. that, that's pretty hard to do, but I, I hear you. And this is very, very hard this year. And why I think I wanted to bring this conversation up is because I, for a while, uh, me and CJ, we're going to go at it on the chat for a long time. And have even said on this show, for a long time I was I was on DAC. I've you know it, it's so yeah. week to week. Have I can't you can't excuse the things that you have seen him fall short of doing. And when the, mm -hmm. when it was the opportunity was presented for him to perform, he just quite didn't. I can't you know having a great season, yeah. but can't quite go there. Brock Purdy, Cowboys, Cowboys, you know, Cowboys. yeah, yeah, Cow you know, yeah, that's what no. they, that's what they do. I mean, I even I can't, I can't, I've seen him, I've seen him choke. Numerous times. I remember the one year me and Brandy said, all right, it's November. They about to start losing. They lost every game in a month in November. They lost three games and they had a bye. So, but I think like overall, like with right now, then you look at like Purdy, his case, like yeah. if you're a person who 
a lot of times when you build the MVP argument, it is based around statistical mm-hmm. numbers. And yep. those, like, you know, the Jay-Z line, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Yep. And, and I think that that's, there, stats have a place. We reference them all the time on this show in a lot of different ways. They are not the end-all, be-all. But mm-hmm. by any statistical measure pretty much that you look at, Brock Purdy is killing it. Yep. And he's doing what is asked of him. And he is playing the quarterback position very, very, very well. And the way that you start to get into this area where he is, if you don't have him as the MVP, you get into this like hypothetical world that I don't like living in. Oh, if this, then that. We don't know. And it's, we don't know. And, if, and when you start to do that, you get into this really, really slippery slope that just you don't start to build a really sound argument. And that's why I think when we, when we have this discussion right now, it's remembering what the MVP award is, what it means, and really kind of just where you fall in, in, the, in that range of it. So that's why I think we need to have a most outstanding player keep the MVP to be the quarterback award because of how the game is. I don't necessarily see it changing anytime soon. But really, honestly, that's where, that, that's where I, I, I land on it overall. I think you can say with Brock Purdy, I think it's the fact that he's a seventh round pick. That's the one thing I could add to it as well, is the fact that this guy is not a first round pick. I don't he's, think that that matters anymore. I think it does. I think it because if we're looking at it and we're seeing like, OK, the the through the prism of if this was Trey Lance and not Brock Purdy. Then I felt like because he was because uh, what, what does that have to do with how he's playing this year? Well, because well, I say it like this, right? Brock is we still see him, Mister Relevant. You know, people. You know how people are still oh, like. It, it's an awesome story, but when we go into MVP, yeah. we don't consider draft position. I feel like it's still something that's been held back, though. I, I, maybe it, maybe it, maybe it warms the hearts of people, but I don't think when you're actually a person who, who covers the NFL for a living or covers the NFL like we do. It doesn't. The weight of that isn't there. He does he put butts in the stands because of that part of it? Sure. Do people want to yeah. see him win because of it? Definitely. But like, oh, him getting the vote or him being the the betting favorite right now? Yeah. I'm I'm not there. I'm not there. But interesting discussion. We still got several weeks to see how this plays out. Uh, and Lamar is sitting here at number two right now, and how week to week yeah. this has been. This game coming up on Christmas night that we will preview before we get out of here is going to carry a lot of weight towards who actually is that MVP. And regardless, it's a quarterback. (laughs) This is just kind of where we're at right now. Let's move on to the second topic that we got for tonight. And that is uh, season surprises of the Mm -hmm. 2020-23 year and Mm -hmm. uh, disappointments. I don't have my own disappointment this year. There are a couple of ones that I could go on. I've been on many shows this year and talked about my my uh, what's going on. So those are my many disappointments. I could have went on another rant about the Falcons. I didn't want to necessarily kick that team while they're down. Chad, Tyler, Tyler Hall, Chad Spar, you guys, T- Travis Gadans. You know, I, I, I didn't want to do that for y'all. Justin Center, you know, love y'all guys that didn't want to keep harping on your team. But really, I do have a surprise that I will get to here. But you tonight, you got a disappointment. Yes. Who is that and why? Oh, we start with disappointments or we start with surprises? Start with disappointments. Who is your disappointment? And let's talk about that. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers is my disappointment because coming into this year, 
even though we was looking at Matt Canada and things like that, but we still like there's a lot of weapons on this offense. They finally took that tackle. They finally took that tackle to address the offensive line to try to improve the offensive line play. If we improve the offensive line, maybe this offense can finally start to take off. Najee Harris can be uh, better. Uh, Warren could be amazing. George Pickens out there. He's about to become the next budding superstar coming out of Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh knows how to draft wide receivers and always make them into some kind of Pro Bowl. But we don't know what they do. But we like we saw Pickens flash last year. This is going to be the year. Deontay Johnson is still over there, so he's going to be the number one A or something like that. And then he still going to be able to do his thing. Uh, Pat Fryer move is a tight end going up the seam. It's going to be a make picket looking showing highlights in the so preseason was going up the seam because Matt Canada didn't like throwing seam balls. And as soon as Matt Canada <laughs> left, like one of the first yeah. completions was a tight end up the seam. Hilarious. Seam, anyway, yeah. keep going. <laughs> Uh, 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 and then Kenny Pickett's gonna take the next step and show why he was a first round pick. And then what happened? None of that, none of that happened. Like you, you, you mentioned, uh, Matt Canada hated the it was always weird. It'd be run up the middle and then hike, throw a ball way over to the left or throw a ball way over to the right. I'm like, why are we throwing screens like this? Just throw it to the tight end who's right there. Like, I never understood that. And this offense. Just started to look remedial. Looks real bad. It looks worse than when Big Ben could even throw it past fifteen yards. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's weird when you have Q, a QB or talented players, and it's like I can't get to the ball because why? I don't know why. I just can't do it for you. I don't know. I don't. So, so what I'm kind of like, like what I, what I'm trying to understand is though, what what were your expectations with all of these things in place? Like you, you, you. You expected something good to happen with all of this. Was that just 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 Mike Tomlin? Like like like, I expected this offense to at least be one of the top ones in by at this point in the season. Be like, oh oh, look at how George Pickens Pro Bowl, uh, Najee Harris Pro Bowl, all right tackle Pro like Deontay Johnson could be a Pro Bowl alternate. Like though that kind of the Kenny Pickett might be like fourth string pro bowl like that kind of stuff but this is going to be an explosive offense going to not be the level of the three b's beforehand but we was definitely going to see george pickens is like all right this dude's top maybe top 10 top five wide receiver okay. like top 10 yeah five talent we're going to see that just making balling balls out of nowhere we haven't seen none of that stuff we've been yeah. instead of seeing receivers not even trying to block on plays that the play is going along and then a fumble yeah, happens and he's walking away or george pickens didn't want to block a, 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 a corner. He comes up, make tackle, and he jumps over the guy. He said, oh, the reason I wasn't blocking. Then he's defending his, like, lack of effort, saying, I didn't want to get hurt. I saw Tank Dell get hurt, uh, and I didn't want that same thing to happen. First off, the difference is Tank Dell was blocking on the goal line and was right in the middle of everything. Why do you even have Tank Dell? Like, I love what the Texans are doing in a lot of ways. Yeah. We've waxed yeah. poetic about them on this show. Bobby Slowick, big shout-out. But why Tank Dell? I have no idea. Is in on the goal line. Is one of the smallest no players in the NFL. I, I, I mean, saw that. Anyway. I was like, why is he so close? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that, that's, yeah I mean, it, why I, had to watch all, I had to watch all 22 to kind yeah. of see where he was because I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, like yeah. all that was, that was odd in and of itself. But I think for me, I'm seeing this Steelers team is really what I honestly, for me, yeah. what I actually expected them to be. But the thing that as that that really jumps out that is a has been a letdown for me 
in some sort of ways to to piggyback onto what you're talking about with them for this particular segment is the receiving core itself. Mm-hmm. We've ta- you you mentioned it. The Steelers have been notorious, notorious. for being able to grab receivers in certain areas that may have been problematic, yeah. not as 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 sought after as other guys, yeah. and just being able to get production, 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 production. You can go all you can go back to like Heinz Ward was a multi-positional dude, necessarily not really sought after. San Antonio yep. Holmes, you have your Martavius Bryant, you have your Red Mike Lewis. Wallace's. I mean, yep. look at just look at how they once Antonio Brown left the Steelers, yeah, all bets were off in terms of what this guy actually is. And for for Mike Tomlin to be able to keep a lid on that and the Steelers yep. organization to be able to contain that for as long as they did. That like after the fact that like yep. some type of like post-mortem diagnosis of mm-hmm. his career as a Steeler really reveals a lot of coaching credence that should be given to this this Steelers organization. A lot of personal and personnel player management should be given to them on that. And But this year is the first year where I'm actually seeing parts of this kind of start to unravel. Maybe yep. even up to last year. Chase Claypool having his issues and end up being traded out of the building and going yeah. from this team to that team to this team. He's disgruntled individual being whatever. Yeah. Deontay Johnson having his issues. George Pickens having his issues. Mm-hmm. These are things we have never really seen from this Steelers, Steelers team before. So on the note of having some area for me, mm-hmm. this was this was your squad. That's kind of where I'm really landing on them overall. Even as, you, you, as, you, as, as we sit here yeah. right now, and we are on the precipice of the playoffs starting to begin very, very shortly here. Let me ask you it this way. I'll ask you two questions. One, I'll ask you this first one and then give your answer. Did you expect this team to be in a position to win a playoff game this year during the preseason? I said no. I, I was the one who said no. But it was still in my head I was thinking, especially as they were starting, the defense was going to carry them into having something in the offense was going to start clicking by this point in the year that they would be in a playoff spot. So, so but, you didn't expect them to win a playoff game. Yeah. Do you now where we're at right now, do you expect them to reach the playoffs? No. Hmm. Be- because not only has the offense been sputtering too, Kenny Pickett got hurt. Mitchell Trubisky is in there not doing anything well. Yeah, it's now it's Mason Rudolph next now week. Now it's Mason Rudolph. And then I'm always I'm disappointed too because the backup plans to Kenny, to uh, Kenny Pickett isn't strong. Like we like we've seen what Mitchell Trubisky is, and we've seen what Mason Rudolph is. Both guys are ineffective guys. We I know you think they're both backups you're, though. You're both backups. I mean, but at least you want to have because I don't even like Kenny. I never, I never liked Trubisky as a viable backup in the first place. Trubisky is the guy who, Trubisky is a guy you sign because your corp, you be your QB never gets hurt because you never want to see this guy in. You like, I feel like Trubisky can never like win you like two to three games. He might oh, make he can win. Here. He can win. I mean, depending on how many starts you give him. Like, look, I'm not a Trubisky guy either. I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing right there. I, see, I, but I, I think, mean, I, I saw what he did in Chicago. I didn't believe him in there. Like, I, I felt like he never had like the tools to to elevate to nothing more. Like, terrible inaccuracy. Like, I see a guy like that. I'm just like, you should be a backup, but you really shouldn't be like the first backup you go off of. Like, okay, we signed Trubisky off the street. Like, I feel like that's the guy. Like, yeah. all right, well, we signed Mr. Trubisky off the street. Like, okay, well, I guess they have somebody. But not like, oh, we gave this dude a three-year contract. You know, we're going to have a break. Like, that was never 
nothing like that. Like yeah. a, a Tyrod Taylor is a much better, much better to choice. me. Like, yeah. like no, I, you, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. They're definitely better back. Or, or Joe Flacco, <laughs> who's on the Browns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There, there definitely is better backups than Trubisky. I can definitely hear that. Yes. So I think what that it, does. Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew could have been like some well, competent quarterback play. So to speak to Gardner Minshew, which brings yeah. us into the other side of this coin right here, is our surprises. The things that yeah. have really like. There's a lot of things that have been surprising, but just a couple areas where we really want to spend some time digging into the depths of how we got to this situation as we record here in week 16 compared to what our expectations were prior to week one. And you mentioned Gardner Minshew, the Colts, one of yep. your surprises right now. Yes. Your, off your previous offensive coordinator, who I know yep. as an Eagles fan, you miss dearly. Miss Please dearly. Come back, come miss back Shane. Dearly. Miss, come miss, back, Shane. That's a Western it, movie. It, I don't know if everybody listening. Come back, Shane. Come back. Come yeah. back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. You know? The Brian McKnight. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You like ever crossed your mind. In time. <laughs> I miss you. You know, it is it, prime. Never wake up reaching out. Anyway, we, we keep going. It's prime <laughs> meme time when you see Wolverine laying in the bed and it's a pitcher and it's Shane Steichen. and he rubbing the pitcher. That's what it is for all Eagles fans. Because we've seen this happen before when our offensive coordinator left from our Super Bowl winning team and went and he went to the Colts. It seems like the Colts. Literally just take our OCs who's doing well in Philly, and he goes to the AFC. Second time this has happened, all right? Shane Steichen is doing an amazing job with the Indianapolis Colts, especially going into this year. They drafted Anthony Richardson. They're picking top five. They're not going to be picking top five as of right now. They're viable. They're honestly biting or fighting for a playoff spot, bidding for a playoff spot. That's what I meant. They're there if the playoffs start right now. They're there. Playoffs start right now. They're there. They're there more than the Steelers are. Oh, they're yeah. there. No, they're they're in the picture. They're def they're and, they're definitely right yeah. there. And so. they're there after losing their starting quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Have Gardner Minshew after having uh contract talks uh uh that broke down with Jonathan Taylor. Uh he's getting like rehab on his ankle because he doesn't want to play so much so that I think he had ankle surgery in the offseason and then because him and the owner aren't getting along so much and some of the ridiculous statements the owner made the trade requested yeah. a trade they put him on pup for the first six weeks of the season and it didn't affect him because zach moss came in there and was balling and this team is sitting right now with a playoff spot if the season ended right now and i think they're going to earn one as the season continues to go on this defense is playing amazing Michael Pittman has been playing amazing. Start until uh, that hit that he happened last week against the Steelers, which was a stupid hit. They like never, never as a, as a defender who I play, like, I never would that, dodge a guy who's 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 making a diving catch. I'm not gonna come. That's in, such like, a bang bang play. Like yeah. I don't blame Demonte KZ at all for that. I really don't. I, I don't I, at all. I, I do. I do because I will aim at like if you're going up like this, like with arms reached out stuff like that, hit you that way. But I'm not gonna. Like, dive at you as you're like making a diving catch. That's it's, not that, something. It's, it's not, there's not enough time in that play for him to, oh, he's diving, so I shouldn't hit him. Like, that, like, that speed is, is, it's, it's way too fast for him to get, he got his head out of the way. 
right? He did that. Yeah. But because, like, I mean, hospital balls are a thing. We know this. Like, you know, this is this is a whole other topic for 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 a yeah. different pod. But just where I land on that, I I I just I I don't like where the league is taking all this stuff. I get it. You're trying to protect players, yeah. but you're you're implementing this, and you you are you are. Demonte KZ is suspended for the rest of the year. Okay? I don't like that part. for like for that. for making a mistake according to the letter of the law, right? Yeah. And now I I, I just I I can't. I, people are saying he's a dirty. I, I've heard analysts say he's a dirty player. That, that's never been a thing of Demonte KZ since know. he was with Atlanta and he went to Dallas. Like a lot of people don't even know that about him, right? Like yeah. he's yeah. just. That he he's just not that. So like I that no, nah, I'm not I'm not gonna go there at all. It's unfortunate just, what happened to Pittman and all those sort of things. But to get back to the topic here at hand, yeah. To get back to the topic here at hand, these to Colts, hand. you're right, are 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 doing a tremendous job and have really landed themselves in a in a situation to be in a spot where you never thought they would, which is putting Shane Steichen in the light of having himself a shot at Coach of the Year, a yeah, very yeah. very legitimate one. If yeah. he gets it, I won't necessarily say no. Um, but yeah, big, big, big ups to the Colts with what they're doing right now. Yeah. You have another one tonight. Yeah. Yeah. The something Cleveland about Browns. Yes. Something about, I don't know, people losing their starter and still having a shot at the playoffs. I gave it up to the Cleveland Browns because Jim Swartz, former defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles, really elevated this Browns defense. So I honestly feel like. A, you know how they say this team has a Super Bowl caliber defense. I feel like the Browns have a Super Bowl caliber defense, but not only that, like actually a defense that's like, I like could be one of the greats. Like could be like one of the great teams. They are. Like, they teams. have. They have a defense that gives them an identity. An identity defense like, okay. that gives this team an identity. Yeah, and 100%. it's one of those because we've seen all the talent that's been on this uh, this Cleveland Browns roster. Like, I remember they was having, like, all the DBs. Like, they had, like, a Greg Newsom's of the world. They had the Grand Del Pitts. They had the Green Williams. They had, like, uh, Denzel Ward. Uh, uh, you have, uh, I don't know why I can't. Uh, um, Emerson. 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 Um, linebacker core, I was kind of shaky on, but they had they had your guy. A-OK. 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 Moa. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, the defensive end for some reason, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yeah, the people they, has, they they added this year in the off season, I just think is so awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. I talked about this. They added Juan Thornhill back there too. Yeah. He hasn't been playing as much lately, but you know, yeah, I, I'm 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 yeah. there on this Browns defense big time. And, and I was I was hyped because Jim Schwartz came in, but also when they traded for um uh Zadarius Smith, I knew. Immediately, I was so hyped on that trade because I knew immediately you're literally adding a number one pass rusher, and I knew uh, Green Bay was gonna miss him because he's like he was the closer for that defense, but because he was older in his cap, well, he, he can't. I want to say he was a free agent signing because he went from Green Bay to Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. then Minnesota didn't want to resign him, and then so yeah. he just went to Cleveland. They traded. It's just him. weird how he's like always available. In yeah. the offseason, because he was initially with Baltimore. Yeah. And then he went from Baltimore yeah. to Green Bay. And then he went from Green Bay. Yeah. Like every stop this dude has made, he's yeah. just he's delivered as an yeah. interior and an outside pass rusher. It's just so funny to me how just there's this dude who's this productive 
at a position and a role that a lot of people covet. And yet he's just always available, it seems like, in the offseason. Well, I knew it was with Green Bay. He had missed a whole year because he hurt his back. And he came back. back, Right, right, right. right, right. And they didn't have the money. uh, Their defensive end, uh, I forget, Gary, started to emerge in his absence. So they gave Preston Smith an extension, which I always felt was not a good one because out of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, Zadarius always was the better one. But Preston is younger then Sedarius, so that's why. And then he got, then he went to Minnesota. And he was a little cheaper with the deal he got. Yeah. He basically yeah. got like they got two years out of Preston for the same yeah. price they would have got a, at a Z. So yeah, yeah. no, I, I hear that right there. But to bring it back to to the bring yeah. it back to the Browns here right yeah. now, and bring it back to this, that their defense definitely has captured an identity and yeah. has been something that we're always going to remember for the course of this season. But I think the other yeah. part of it is too, they laid it on my ICU. Joe Flacco, he was here one, he was here one week. Yeah. And being able to grab this guy as the fourth quarterback to go ahead and start for them right. after Nick Chubb went out yeah. for the season. Yeah. Like yeah. to imagine this Browns team being in the position they are now without the person who has been the very source of life for this franchise for mm-hmm. the last several years. And now he's not there. And yet and still, they are still making it work. Yeah. Yeah, according, definitely. According to some people on this podcast, he's the best running back in the league. Runner of the, the ball best in the league. Pure but runner. Pure runner in the according league. According to some light skinned guy who is devilishly handsome. You know, yeah. I mean. <laughs> okay, I don't know about the handsome part, but he's definitely drinking a beer of some kind, IPA of some kind. And yeah. He's a beer connoisseur and he's devilishly yeah. handsome. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah. Go ahead. Right. Go, you know. All right. Yeah. 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 All right. But no, 100%. The best pure runner. Whenever they lost him. And then also to the fact of it, too, the Browns' offensive line has been one that we have talked about a lot. They yep. have a lot of talent in that middle. Ethan Pochick just somehow gets underneath the tutelage. Bill Callahan, he's go ahead and cooking at center. But their guards, Wyatt Teller and uh, Joel Batonio. Yeah. Joel Batonio, by the way, if everybody listening, is going to land himself in the Hall of Fame one day. You're going to be like, oh, I didn't know who that guy was. Yeah, I've talked about him enough on this show. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But now they are in a spot where they are down three tackles. Mm-hmm. They are on their third string right tackle and yeah. their second string left tackle without Nick Chubb. And it's still working. Four-string yep. quarterback. It's still working. Like, the surprise that we have here is is very, very, very well-deserved for this squad. And I got to give a lot of credit to Kevin, Kevin Stefanski because when we did our off-season preview of this division, we talked about wh- how hot is his seat. Is it warm? Yep. Is it is it neutral? Whatever it might be. And the, the one thing that we wanted to see was this team have some type of development with Deshaun Watson in the passing game. That didn't happen. Nick Chubb goes. And yet, they still propel themselves to this current position right now. Very, very deserving right here. Watson struggled and now on IR as well. So that's another thing, too. And he was, he was struggling, had his first when good game. He was game. healthy. He hasn't played well. <laughs> yeah. He had his first good game when he hurt his shoulder. Came, he, brought him Baltimore. back more in the game. Yeah. That was, the only, that was the only time he played. Like, oh, he had a flash against Baltimore. Man, you $200 million guaranteed. Like, No, I'm, I'm saying his one good game was the game he got hurt. Like, so you, yeah. like, that's what I'm like. When he finally looked good, oh my! I actually really re-injured my shoulder and I'm out for the year. So I'm <laughs> so two hundred million in my pocket. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my so that, that's the disappointments. The, the disappointment we had talked about earlier was being the Steelers, the surprise of the Colts, the surprise of the Browns. My surprise overall kind of dovetails off and piggybacks what you were talking about with these mm-hmm. two surprises. You were talking about the Colts having Gardner Minshew and what they've been able to accomplish. You're talking about the Browns and Joe Flacco, of course, accompanied by that defense and what they have been able to deliver this year. But for me in particular, this started initially as when I wanted to do mine as 
what we have seen from backup quarterbacks. And that's still a component of this year in general. But it seemed like this season, at first, that I'm watching so many games where I'm seeing backups, backups, backups galore. And that is true. Throughout the course of this year in 2023, 56 different quarterbacks have started a game this year for an NFL team. Only six QBs in the AFC have started every single game this year. And that could drop down to five if Trevor Lawrence doesn't start against the Bucs. He's dealing, he's in the concussion protocol. He had an ankle injury. He's got yeah. something going on with his arm. I mean, that dude is battered and tattered and still may yeah. end up going, right? Now, as many as six teams currently in playoff contention are starting backup quarterbacks this weekend, this deep into the season. In the NFC right now, eight teams have given their backup starts. That's basically half, yep. half of an yep. entire conference right now. Of those eight, five of them are in playoff contention. Mm. And I was, I was really amazed when I went back and I looked at the numbers to find this out. This is not the worst we have seen. This isn't. Right now, in 2023, with the 56, potentially 57, starting a game for their team right now, we would be the low, one of the lowest numbers of recent memory. In 2020, the COVID year, of course, which off-air we had talked about and what everybody remembers, during the COVID season, there was random times where certain quarterbacks wouldn't be playing because yeah. that whole debacle that happened in Denver where the whole QB room got it, they had to move one of their, yeah. their quarterbacks or, or one of their receivers to play quarterback. Yeah, all kinds of wonky yeah. shit. Okay, right. Like, but in 2020, which was also a 16-game season, not a 17-game season, yep. in 2020, 58 quarterbacks started at least one game. In 2021, 61 quarterbacks started at least one game. In 2022, 69 quarterbacks started at least one game. And that just seems to kind of, at least for me, that got kind of washed away in my memory bank. And a lot yep. of times why that happens is because backup quarterback play doesn't really stand out to you. It is very forgettable, yeah. right? It doesn't like leave a footprint in your brain and rightfully so. I mean, do we really want to remember what we saw from the likes of Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll or Trace McSorley's or, 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 or Brett Rippins or like, I mean, we can go there, but what I think this year really reminded me of, and especially going back over the last course of the years is how important this position has been. And we talked about that a little bit before the show. You talked about that in terms of the Steelers, maybe not having the, the best contingency plan with adding Mitch Trubisky, et cetera. And just kind of the state of that, because the belief is always, maybe not always, but in a lot of ways, the belief is that if you have a good team, once the backup goes, you can piece together some wins. You can make things happen. But I remember when Peyton Manning left in one of his, his final years, the Colts, it was, it, that was a playoff team, top of the top of the league, whatever. Oh, yeah. without Peyton Manning, they may, might go six wins, might go seven wins. That team won two games, right? Sometimes the drop-off is massive to where you can't do things. And just like you talked about with your surprises for the Browns, your surprise for the Colts, I have seen a lot of surprises here from what we have seen from backup quarterbacks this year. And it's been awesome. Gardner Minshew, what he's been able to do is amazing, yep. right? To step in and lead the Colts and go and put up 38 points against that Browns defense that we were talking about. When Miles Garrett had one of the most ridiculous games ever, that yep. offense still put up 38 points. They still beat the Ravens, who are one of the best teams in the AFC. They beat the Ravens in Baltimore in yep. overtime, right? These things have happened. 
The fact that Tommy DeVito has been arguably the best Giants quarterback to start a game this year, and he was the third string dude, right? Like, I mean, uh, give me some. Cordae's holding up, the, you know, you know the gesture as soon as you say Tommy DeVito. I got a goal. I got a goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, hey, I got a fucking cannoli. Hey, you know, hey, hey, guy. Hey. This fucking, this fucking guy, yeah. This fucking this fucking guy, guy, yeah. Say hi, hey, say hi to your mother for me. You know, boy, I hold up. He's a good earner, that boy out there, Tommy DeVito. Yeah, I mean? yeah. Tommy. <laughs> right? Like, we've seen a lot from him, and he has given the Giants maybe some type of thing to think about when it comes to what they're going to do with that position. We Absolutely. have seen him go in there in one of his first starts, going against Bill Belichick, and just dropping, like, deep dimes. And we all know that the, the talent over there in New York isn't anything to necessarily write home about, especially yeah. when you look at the offensive line. Like, yeah. I mean, that's all there, too. Joe Flacco, we talked about it. He was an ICU. That man is old as hell, and he is a big reason why this team is there in the playoffs, d- despite, you know, the defense is allowing them to be there as, as yep. well. Yep. But no one was assuming that Joe Flacco, at mm-hmm. this state in his career, was mm-hmm. going to be able to be some type of sustaining force for an offense. But he's going to do that. And Joe Flacco got your favorite tight end in the whole NFL balling right now. My favorite tight end. Cordae's yeah, talking David about David Njoku. David Njoku, for those who don't know, uh, and when they did the season of Hard Knocks, he hated staying after practice to catch balls because he kept dropping it. And, and that, that pissed was, me off because when I played college ball, I yeah. caught 100 balls daily. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. And this dude looked at the jug machine like it was a punishment. Yeah. And then the funny thing about it, the GM was there watching him catch balls because I feel like they didn't think he would do it. They didn't. To get back to the backup quarterbacks, though, think about it also. Josh Dobbs this year. Yep. Let's just start with Josh Dobbs when he was with Arizona. Because that happened. No, right? before that, where was he? <laughs> he was in Arizona. No, no, was, before that. But before that, no, he was with the Titans last year in okay. that playoff game. So, but what team did he start with this year? He was with the, uh, who was he with? He was with the Browns. He was with the Browns. They let him go. The Browns traded him to Arizona before the year started. And he ended up being their starter. And then he and moved. the Cardinals let go of Colt McCoy. Yep. Which Cole McCoy is still out there somewhere who, I don't know, if the Raiders find themselves maybe in the playoff game, if Tom Brady doesn't want to sign. Anyway, I'm not going to even go down that road right now. I'm not even going to go down there. But Josh Dobbs with two teams. This guy beat the Cowboys early mm-hmm. in the season. And then also, what he did when he was called on to start for the Vikings in his first game against the Falcons was absolutely incredible. This guy did not know the playbook. This guy nope. had not taken snaps with the center. This guy was sitting there and piecing together what's happening. They were Kevin O'Connell, the coach for the Vikings, was talking about when they were calling plays. Hey, Josh, so what this play is, is basically to the left, you got slant flat. And to yep. the right, you got Hank, which is flat and curl. And then you kind of just read it out according to zone. You don't know what depth it is. You don't know the speed that Brandon Powell runs his flat route at. You don't know what, like, you know, the acceleration that, that Jordan Addison is going to break on his slant. Like, all these things are brand new. You don't know how a snap necessarily feels coming from Garrett Bradbury in the center. All these things you got to piece together on the fly in an NFL game when there's a bunch of shit to put together. Like, and he did that. That's amazing. Let's even keep it going. Jake Browning. What we have seen from Jake Browning when going against the Jaguars late in the game, like, like just completing things, making stuff happen. Beating the team, beating this Vikings defense that put Brock Purdy in in shambles and yes, doing those type of things, right? Yes, they did. They did. 
And then even just look back no further than this recent Monday night game. I'm sorry, bro, but we're here. Drew Locke, that 92-yard drive against the Super Bowl NFC representative, Philly Eagles, right? Him putting that together. Don't you yawn. It's true. It happened. <laughs> all right. It happened. All right. It happened. But like all of these things right here and what we have seen from backup quarterbacks across the scope of the NFL. Granted, I know everybody listening. Okay, Jordan. Yeah, cool things have happened. But we also watched a primetime game not too many Thursdays ago where Bailey Zappi and Mitch Trubisky went head to head and it was real shit. I get that. I do. But I still want to take advantage of this time to be able to acknowledge what we have seen from all these guys that we didn't really anticipate getting a snap of and what that has meant for the league as a whole. And I think that is a huge surprise and something that I'm really going to remember over the course of this season. Yeah. You, yeah. 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 No, ahead, I, I, I wasn't sure if he was done or not, but yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely, definitely a lot and definitely amazing. I, I, I'm, as you mentioned earlier, Jake Browning, that was when he was like, this just should have never fucking got me when he beat the Vikings. When I'm like, the Vikings. he was cut by them three times. Yeah. He was cut mm-hmm. by them three times, which is like super funny. Uh, yeah. Cut, being cut or traded from one team, getting picked up by another to beat your former team. It's hilarious. It's been a wild NFL season, and backup quarterbacks are playing well, except in, except in Pittsburgh. Don't sure. I mean, in the other places, too, we're not yeah. – like, it's not just backups are doing great. I hear – but, like, I think I want to, like, make reference to backups are a real thing Yeah, in the league. They, they're going to get chances. And right. we yeah. assume that once the backup goes in, oh, it's all done for. Yeah. But there's certain guys in the NFL that are proving it's not. And I'm just I'm I'm very surprised to see that this year. There's certain guys, and then also we have to give credit to the coaches as well. Because For I sure. feel like the coaches sure. are actually trying to act when they're actually saying we're gonna work to this person's strengths, we're actually gonna work to this person's strengths. You mentioned with Josh Jobs when he just came in, he didn't know these guys' names they practiced. That was a bit of luck and a bit of team rallying around him for that standpoint. Josh Dobbs has since been benched because he struggled that one game. But against, against my Raiders when he Yeah. yeah. That was but he still game. that was a terrible game. But since he still came in and did a lot for the situation he was thrown in, because in Arizona he was thrown in a week before, and I felt like they were trying to tank. That's why they did that specifically because they want the worst record ever. But then other weeks, the Stefanski and the and the Browns have been doing amazing. Have been able to carry games. Jake Browning's came in with the confidence and the swagger from Sacramento. From Sacramento, also. <laughs> yeah, Folsom, and he's balling out there. And he, I think he said, I think he threw the most passing touchdowns in California history or in that area. So, yeah, the man could throw it, make a lead, has confidence, and he's doing well with his Bengals team. And they're they're, they're going to be the playoffs. They look like they're going to be playoffs. I thought they was going to, all right, well, they're going to be drafting like top 10, top 15 or something like that. No, it looked like they're going to have a playoff spot as well. Yep. When Burrow went out, oh, he's just yeah. got healthy. And, it, of course, it was sad. I mean, no one wants to see that. Exactly. I mean, but just you even see what Burrow did, like uh, Browning had for his first start. And yeah. I think even his second home start, he had a lot of family coming to visit him. Yeah. And he's like, I, look, I don't I can't like afford like all these tickets to get everybody in there. And Burrow was like, oh, you want my suite? Your, your family oh, want to come and sit in my suite? Oh, okay. yeah, I didn't know that. that's happened for that. two games. Burrow was like, nah, I'm not playing. So my family ain't coming. Yeah, Your yeah. fam could go ahead and come. I got it. I, I, I got. I got. I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's awesome to see just things like that, and just to see 
these teams rally around them. And I'm glad that you brought the the attention to like giving coaches the credit and also just seeing how a teams will look to acquire a, a backup and how much they prioritize it. And mm-hmm. also just what some backups can do when they're put in the right situation. Yeah. So I think that's something that's been a big surprise. And I'm, I'm really happy to see this year, this year yeah. in the NFL. Don't be a Tim Boyle. <laughs> don't, be a don't, don't, be, don't be a Tim Boyle. Don't be a Jake Brennan or Josh Dobbs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or Gardner Minshew, you know? Yep. Or Gardner. Yeah. True. Or Drew Locke. You may disagree, but you know. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for what he did, he was hella inaccurate most of that game too. So oh yeah, just... it was just a ninety-two yard drive. That was the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, like it, that was the craziest moment. Before we get into our preview here of the Niners and the Ravens, the craziest thing. And this is what I love about football, right? If you were Seahawks fans, like imagine, and I know it's really tough to displace yourself from the because you had a emotional stake in it as a Philly yeah. fan. Yeah. But it was sitting there in the fourth quarter with about six minutes or so left yeah. before they got that stop to force the punt to put them on their own eight-yard line, where it was like, man, Pete Carroll is about to lose his fifth straight game for the first time in the history of his tenure as a coach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Damn. We actually, you know, we thought we were going to be in the playoffs this year at least. You know, the yeah. playoffs were looking like we could do that. We had some injuries to our quarterback. We had some injuries to O-line early, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. The defense has like played how one down. or two. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, well, what do we do next year? Those type of things, those type of whispers were happening. But then the ball, they got the ball. Well, I guess, I mean, if he puts it in the end zone, I guess it's not over. Yeah. And then he did. Yeah. And this changed so much. This changed yeah. what could be of the season for Seattle. This changed you yawning again. This changed. Yeah. <laughs> this changed <laughs> me. Anyway, 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 anyway. That game <laughs> happened. We all saw it. It was awesome. It was dope. From just a yeah. pure football standpoint, Eagles fans necessarily may not agree. It but- was a. I'm going to go to my playmakers in DK Metcalf, and if we're going to win, we're going to win because of him. That's what they did. Eagles should have said, hey, we're going to stop DK no matter what. That's not what they did. So Seahawks went to the main guy who couldn't be stopped to win in the game, and that's what they did. And then when you went away from him, you went to your first-round pick in Jackson Smith and Jigba to win the game. He did. We're going to get to our game of the week. It's the game of the week. It is taking place on Christmas night. It's the last one of the slate. The 11-3 Ravens travel to San Francisco to play the 11-3 49ers. Man, I'm really looking forward to this game. As someone who doesn't really have a, uh, have any skin in it myself, you yeah. don't either. We were just talking about where your allegiance lies. Everybody listening, of course, knows. When we get into this game, let's just start it right here because I think this is really the crux of the game and and the most important point. It's when the Niners have the ball and the Ravens are on defense. Okay. That's the part of the game that I think is the most important part of it. What are you looking for when that scenario presents itself, when the Niners have the ball? I'm looking to see the, I'm trying to see the multiple fronts of the defense. I'm trying to see who's going to be covering Debo. Where's Kyle Hamilton lined up? Uh, Roquan Smith playing the run, things like that. And then how are they going to attack this Niners offense to keep them steady and to keep to apply pressure and things like that? Because uh, I still think uh, Marlon Humphrey still isn't back to his old Pro Bowl shutdown form anymore. We've seen him getting beat. But then he he started the season off rough because I remember I think he had surgery and missed all of yeah. training camp and didn't start the first game. So it's still like, you know, you playing through injuries, still trying to round yourself back in the playoff form or – 
Pro Bowl form. So he probably is not at 100%, which nobody is at this point. But he came into the season not being that. So I'm trying to see where are the matchups and where Kyle looks like he's going to be exploiting. Is he going to go after Patrick Queen? For me, that's all I'll go after. He's the least uh, better coverage out of the linebacker. How, how would you go after Patrick Queen? I would make him think or make him overrun something. Like make it maybe go this way and then like play back. Because Roquan Smith is like their racer. It helps Patrick Queen play more free, but he's, Patrick he's Queen the is smarter one. Patrick Queen's more runner. of the, you know, uh Athletic. the dog chasing the chasing the yeah. license plate, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's like the got a smart one versus the super athletic one. But if you if the athletic one is constantly like it's kind of like the like over here, over here, no over here, no over here. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah, dog the dog in the car. And then, and then like, and then, and then uh, the dog is like, when you say over here, he's way over there. He's like over here, like he did, a, like kind of. A, <laughs> so I will look for him. I look towards him to exploit, and then also, uh, Kyle Hamilton is better coming forward than going backwards most of the time, right? So I would try to isolate Kyle Hamilton and try to get some going deep. I mean, coming in, I like coming. Kyle, in, I like Kyle Hamilton both ways. I'm, I'm a hundred percent with yeah. you on the linebackers. I'll get a little, a little more into that here in a second. But I, I'm, I'm Kyle Hamilton. I'm saying, coming, Kyle Hamilton is the move piece. That dude can do a no, lot of things, uh, and I'm, I'm confident in him going either direction. Come, coming into the draft, that was the reason why he failed because they felt he was more of a line scrimmage guy. But I'm saying, if you keep challenging him with deep stuff instead of, I feel like he's a guy who likes to play up to the line. Get his confidence that I could do everything right. But if you have him keep like isolating him one on one to keep going, deep, let's test him because he's not a Derwin James. A lot of people aren't, you know. But to see like can he defend deep, I feel like that's be like another that would be the two people I exploit. Okay. Because in the running game, Kyle Hamilton's amazing. But let's see him. Can he cover deep though? Can he cover okay. deep though? Like kind of a that would be okay. My no, I'm I'm with you on that's where you'd go. I get it. I get it. I respect that. But but I'm I am I I would echo your sentiment of. Not only just challenging Patrick Queen, but Roquan Smith as well. He's going to be an All Pro linebacker this year, and yeah. rightfully so. I'll put out my All Pro list here in the, in the coming weeks for the final season, um, for the final season rankings. But Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, those are two guys that I would really have a bullseye on when it comes to the running game. If I'm Kyle Shanahan, yeah. Yeah. because they're both smaller, smaller-ish linebackers, right? Six feet, roughly two thirty, yeah. roughly, right? Small, that's tall. That's tall. I'm six feet. That's why I said that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm five ten. So yeah. yeah, I'm over here. You know, and I, I'm five ten, two and a quarter. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. Uh, but anyway, both guys in terms of how they defend the run, Patrick Queen and Roquan, they are more finesse blockers. I talked about this in the chat, and that's just always how. That's how they. That's how they make their money. They are not necessarily guys that excel in disengaging from linemen who get hands on them from advantageous leverage positions. And which is exactly what the Niners run game does extremely well. And it may not necessarily be in, have to be an offensive lineman. If it's a fullback or if it's a tight end, those guys get in downfield. If it's a receiver on a, crock, on a, on a crack block like Jawan Jennings, that presents opportunities for advantages for the Niners offense right there. And really, I, I don't see a scenario where San Francisco, from an execution standpoint, isn't able to just have a whole bunch of success running interiorly, running through the interior and getting hands on those dudes and stopping and, 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 and not having success in the run game. I envision a game where Kyle is just going to be like, all right, we're just going to line up in our base personnel, 
which their base personnel is like nobody else's. We all know, you know, the you could call it the lineup of death, the yep. five of them. Yep. Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, Juice, CMC, right? You never know what each one of the you could you could line that up and you could go traditional standard old school I form, right? If you want to do that. You could go full house, put Debo in the backfield with use check and with McCaffrey. Have one wide receiver, Kittle in line, and boom. Now now we're jumbo-ish look. I mean, it it can get multiple for days, and we can keep going on how, on all the different different types of formational problems they can present. But I don't see a scenario where Baltimore, over and over, if Kyle commits to it, I don't see a scenario where Baltimore is going to be able to stop that. I, I don't. Michael Pierce and Justin Matabuike up front, they're more so penetrators in the run game more than they are like space eaters. Especially yeah. Clowney on the edge, he's he's a, he's he excels at being able to knife in and yeah. you know make himself skinnier than he actually is and stuff like that. So really, for me, it within the run game, I I see just San Francisco having an absolutely huge, huge advantage. And I wish Jay was here for this one particularly because John Feliciano, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, he was acquired as like a rotational backup interior guy. He could play some center, could play some guard. We disagree when he went to Buffalo on how good he was going to be because he was a former Raider. Yeah. That dude has been been swapped in for uh, Spencer Burr for the last couple of weeks and balled his ass off. Ball, ball, balled his ass off. I think he needs to be able to be that one starting. And then your guy, of course, Aaron Banks, be the other guy to start over there at left guard along with Jake Brendel, currently playing here at center. So that's a lot what I'm looking for. Now, the secondary for Baltimore, you were talking about Kyle Hamilton. How do you think these corners or like the rest of the secondary Geno Stone having a really really good season how do you think that like if I'm Kyle Ham if I'm if I'm if I'm uh Mike McDonald and I'm gonna use Kyle Hamilton I'm more so looking at him to be the person who okay Kittle is your guy yep right what are you really expecting coverage wise beyond just Kyle Hamilton going backwards and like who you're gonna isolate as a matchup what are you expecting coverage wise to see from this Ravens defense probably Pete uh I mean uh Peters Mar- Mar- Marlon Humphrey on Ayuk. Uh, I forget number 10's name. Probably trying to be Arthur on Arthur Mollette, right? Yeah, Arthur Mollette. Yeah, yeah Arthur Mollette. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start off with that. And then, if let's say, if Debo starts getting cooking, we're going to use Marlon Humphreys, our more physical and our number one to switch on those kind of two. But let's try to match up like that specifically. Uh, I know Marlon Humphrey is definitely like a, a physical and like he likes to punch the ball out. So let's say, if like, the, like the maybe not. Is great in coverage anymore, but definitely the punch out. So like the yards after the catch, kind of a stuff like hit head on the swivel. Because when I come up, I'm now tack, I'm tackling you. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to wrap you up and tackle you. I'm trying to punch the ball out. I'm trying to create turnovers. So let's see like a mixture of those two different things. Uh, Geno Stone back there playing deep. Um, and uh, I forget I forget the elder safety's name, but he was like from New he was from New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Saints. Um, to see the different matches with those two, it's a a real chess game that I'm like very interested in see because with a multiple front de- defense and showing you multiple different things, when you have like the safeties and you play, they, the Ravens play with three safeties and two corners. So it's going to be a great uh, look to see how things are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To move it over for the Niners offensive passing attack right here, uh, Brock Purdy, we were just talking about our MVP discussion. We all know he's in the favor for that. Lamar, as I had previously said in that segment, has moved up to the second place spot. This is a huge test for Brock Purdy. This is a, yeah. this is a ginormous one, and I feel like just with how 
like the voting goes and stuff like that, that if he does his thing here, then he's he's going to run away with it. Like, honestly, just because of how all this works. But for you in this one, or at least what I what I noticed with this with this one before I went back to go ahead and study this game. It was really I went back and I watched Minnesota because that was another team like Mike McDonald, who disguises a lot of things up front, doesn't really give you a clear picture on what he's doing. So that's why I really wanted to check out what Purdy did in that game from an all 22 cents. For you and for me, I got not just for me, but for you to ask you the question, if Purdy balls out against this squad. How much are you pushing back on his MVP status? Um, pushing back or like really like what do you mean by pushing back? Like like still like am I still fighting? Like is he still the MVP type thing? Yeah, is is or would you would you give him? I feel like if Purdy if Purdy balls in this one and just like has a tremendous performance, yeah. I'm gonna still I I would I would I don't have Purdy's MVP right now. If he wins yeah. this game in, in very like, you know, like he's the, he he does like like kind of how he again, I hate to do this to you, but how he did against the Eagles. Yeah. Like if he if he does that again, I, I feel like it's just kind of has to be his in terms and, of, in and, terms of who gets the vote. And it's funny to me because after the Eagles game, that's why I feel like they catapulted him to the shoe in guy right underneath. It was either above, I think that odds favorites was him. And then Dak was two, but I feel like Dak should have been one, but he was over Dak because they scraped him. But mm-hmm. then that three game losing streak of that Purdy had and Dak was playing amazing after that. I felt like it should have, you know, like the tiebreaker goes to this, but I feel like as late Dak was playing amazing. Um, I feel like if Purdy comes out in balls, it's kind of like, okay, well, I see why they gave it to him because he was doing playing pretty well. But to me, the whole time, CMC has been balling this entire year. So that's what I struggle with. It was like, well, Brock comes out throwing it. Well, I know CMC is going to be amazing because usually he's always balling throughout the game and he's constantly making the plays to like, like I remember I was watching Arizona Cardinals game. And for like earlier in that game, it was pretty close. And I was like, damn, something about these division rivals, this team is not that good. But damn, they're like really keeping it close. And then who makes a play? CMC wide open across the thing, catches it, runs in, or CMC goes, runs and ca- like goes, cuts back and shit like that, and then gets up, you know. So it's always the CMC making a play, but if it's like a quick little pass that Purdy threw to him, and then CMC goes like this, oh damn, another sixty yard pass by by uh, Brock Purdy with yeah, CMC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Work. yeah. So yeah. for me, it's like CMC been the should be the person, but if we like we said before, it's a it's a quarterback driven award i'll be like okay well i'll see brock purdy like <laughs> like this. it would have to depend on how he does yeah. it when they win yeah. it's really the big thing i still think that's like if important. if cmc comes out and has like 120 yard 120 yard game but it's like 160 all purpose but in purdy goes out and like has three touchdowns 300 yards i'm still gonna be like it's gonna depend on how those those numbers yeah. come yeah yeah that's yeah it's gonna be like, a big thing CMC still balling over there. Yeah, he ain't stopped yeah. this whole time. It's like, yeah, but Purdy, whoo! You see, I'm like, yeah, but CMC, do we? Are we just? And then yeah. I'm, at the point, I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to give it to a running back. So I, that I think on the other side of that coin, though, also with where we are right now in a unique spot, 
Lamar is also in a position to where if they win and Lamar does a lot, he doesn't have necessarily the... It's funny, also with Purdy. When you have two people on the same team who are in the MVP race, how is one of them even really the MVP? Is kind of the other part of this thing. Can you have two guys on the same team be the MVP? I don't think you can. I don't think so. You can't. Right, like so, like how is how it could? Oh, this guy's the most valuable. So that that also goes into how you you accumulate the award, the the reasoning for the award. But really, yeah. what I want to look at with this part as we shift over to the other side of the ball, with Ravens having the ball, the Niners being on defense. Normally, the Ravens are able to take advantage of opposing teams, linebackers, and those type of groups. This is not the team to do that against. It is not. This is not the squad you can do that against, especially considering the defensive line in front of them. If you want to have enough time to try to be able to put these linebackers in a bind. Philly was able to do that last year very, very well and, and make Fred Warner kind of play out of his comfort zone. And, and we saw that. But I think this Ravens team is the squad that's been doing it the best this year. Lamar is in a position right now to be able to maximize his stance on the MVP earnings. Excuse me. What are your expectations in this game of Lamar going against this Niners defense? Uh, I feel like Zay Flowers is going to be the key again in this game. There's no Mark Andrews in this game. Um, and I feel like Zay Flowers – oh, Zay Flowers and OBJ. I need a big game from OBJ in this game for him to really step up to show him he's fully back. He's back on the map. For you to really try to earn that contract in the offseason, I need – this is a big game I need from you, OBJ. I need something – like, you probably can't give me the old New York Giant form that you used to be, but give me some of that stuff that you was doing with the Rams. You know, Zay Flowers, any matchup that, you know, Zay Flowers is quick and out of his breakups can always create separation. I need more of that. And honestly, the running game, uh, Mitchell's out with the season for the torn ACL, which is like super, super hard. That's super unfortunate, yeah. So, so Gus Edwards and uh, Justice Hill is going to have to be affected. Like, I've, I feel like last game, they was really trying to make Mitchell more of the, like the, the starter trying to get him more touches, like trying to get him incorporated yeah. in the offense. Yeah. But then he he's looked really good. Yeah. He looked really good. Super explosive. More explosive than Gus Edwards and Hill. Because I feel like those are like the power backs who come in and get the dirty yards. Well, Hill's kind of like the multi-purpose guy. Like he can yeah. function in the pass. He can kind of, yeah. you know, he, he's multi-purpose. Gus Bust is the bruiser. Yeah. And then Mitchell's yeah. that that lightning bug. Yeah. yeah. I forgot Hill was on the team. And I was like, oh, right. You still do play for them. I forgot. Because I still feel like the uh, the Ravens should have traded for a running back in, uh, during the trade deadline to really, especially after losing Dobbins, to really um, like bolster this this running game. But because they had uh, Mitchell coming along, I feel like that's why they didn't. But yeah, yeah so who they got? So who do you have winning? What's your score? How do we get there? Great question. Great question. Um, I'm gonna go. It's weird because the Ravens are known to blow leads and the Niners are known for not being able to come back from a deficit. So I feel like it's, one of those very interesting things, point. That's a very interesting yeah. point. So I feel like one of these two things. I, I, don't, I don't I don't know if the Ravens have blown leads necessarily as much as they have last year, certainly. But yeah. that still like kind of lingers in the balance. And we've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those are those are things that can be considered Achilles heels for both squads. That's a good point. Yeah, so, I feel like uh, so. I'll make my last point. I feel like the uh, the Ravens sometimes uh, become stagnant on offense. So I feel like the Niners will capitalize. And I'm going to go the Niners uh, 28-24. 28-24.
I got San Francisco too, man. I just, if the Ravens are able to mitigate that run game to where they can put Purdy in third and long known passing situations, the more they can do that, the more beneficial it is for this team. But I just don't see them being able to do that. Like just everybody listening, pay attention to how often this Niners offense gets into third and like a known passing situation where Mike McDonald can really get in his bag. The defensive coordinator for the Ravens can really get in his bag and throw some really funky looks and crazy blitzes and all kinds of like disguise. Like this is really where in 2023 where quarterback play has been so huge because defenses on third down and known passing situations have gotten so good on how to disguise what they're doing, bring different pressures and stuff like that. So the more they can get the Niners in that situation, it's going to be able to hamper Brock's game. And Brock going against those looks, he doesn't get those a lot because the Niners don't find themselves in a lot of third and seven, third and eight type of looks. They don't. They run the ball so well. Their offense is so efficient when they even pass it that they just don't land in those scenarios as much as other teams do. They just don't. So, and I don't necessarily know if the Ravens can keep them out of that. That's just really where I think this thing is is going to boil down to. So, give me the Niners. I like the score to be over under sitting at 46 and a half. Let's call this 26-21 Ravens, or 26-21 Niners. 26-21 Niners. Yeah, 27-21 Niners. Okay, I was like 26. Yeah, sometimes okay. you just got to throw random scores out there because who knows how this shit goes. You're right. <laughs> I, 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 uh, Boomer used to do that. He was like, final score, 16-14. And I'm like, what? 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 Or 13-14. Yeah. I'm like, like what? Because okay. then if it ends at 17-13, you just off by like one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, like, oh, he missed an extra point. Like random shit, random shit happens all the time. Final score, 12-10. 12-10. <laughs> Final score negative four to one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Final score: Vikings, uh, Raiders, three zero. I mean, hey, it, it was ugly enough. It was ugly yeah, enough. we don't got to rehash that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank y'all for listening very much. This was our Week 16 preview. The holidays are coming up. We will not have a recap because that will be on Christmas Eve. We're not going to have a recap for that one. Going to spend time with our families. We will revisit y'all the following week for a week. 17 preview. Here we are and here we go. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to the Cover Zero podcast. Merry Christmas and to all a good night.